Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Daniel Radcliffe on his comfort movie, Get Over It, and his new podcast, Cunning Stunts. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. There's no stunt work on this show, unless you count Zooming every week with you, Sammy. That's a stunt in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, you watching you set up a Zoom and probably plugging in your microphone is probably risky for you. It is. I mean, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm really putting myself out there. And, you have to uh, reach your arm a little bit. Look, yeah, we you know have to how... sit up and, <laughs> and stand up from a chair. I'm winded just thinking about it. Um, yeah. I am very thrilled to say that Daniel Radcliffe is back on Happy, Sad, Confused today. Oh, my today. God. We love Daniel around here. He's been a frequent guest over the years, and he is back this week, not only to talk about his comfort movie, which if you heard the opening intro is maybe a surprise to you the classic that is get over it we'll, we'll talk about that in a second sammy but he's also here because he has a new podcast he's he's infringing on our territory sammy how do you feel about this <laughs> well it's like it's we might as well quit yeah well what's the point ma- many have asked us to do that before <laughs> and many will continue to do so but now, now it's embarrassing i know it's like i know i know you could listen to his beautiful voice or you could listen to our abrasive voices <laughs> so it's like what's not to mention he has a, a a lovely new idea for a podcast uh it's him and his friend uh david holmes it's called cunning stunts it's available on itunes or wherever you get your podcast it has started uh the first two episodes are up already if not more I've, I've heard the first two and it is as you might imagine from the title a podcast that celebrates stunt work in film and tv daniel obviously is well acquainted with this thanks to primarily the harry potter films and david the host of the show david holmes was daniel's uh, stunt double for i believe the first six harry potter films um i mean, to hear, hear the story is remarkable and i frankly wasn't aware of this though it, it has been reported before that uh david sadly had a, a really uh, tragic unfortunate accident when rehearsing a stunt for harry potter and the deathly hallows part one um and subsequently has been paralyzed for the years since that being said, I mean, I've listened to the podcast. I've seen videos of him. Uh, David has a great uh, a spirit and has, has lost no love for the stunt industry. Um, and this podcast is truly a celebration of that facet of filmmaking. Um, as I watch Sammy run away from the dog in her home. <laughs> <laughs> You're like talking about this like nice story. Oh. And then, oh. Sammy, I mean, people, people can only see. I literally see her running from one end of her home to the other to get away from the barking dog. Anyway, um, this this truly, if you're a film fan like myself, uh, you'll really enjoy this podcast. Again, it's called Cunning Stunts. And in each episode, uh, David and Daniel uh, talk to notable stunt performers and talk about the stuff they've done, the, the movies they've worked on, the misconceptions about stunt work. And really, as I said, it, at the end of the day, it's a celebration of this aspect of the industry that um, not enough attention is paid to. So uh, fun geeking out with Daniel in this conversation about that, as well as his comfort movie, which as you know, if you've listened to Happy, Sad, Confused, we're asking every guest to pre-pick a comfort movie we do a deep dive on. And none has surprised me more than when I got the email back saying his pick was Get Over It 
the 2001 teen comedy starring Ben Foster, Kirsten Dunst, and Colin Hanks, among others. Sammy, have you seen seen this movie? And Shane, are you kidding me? This this is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) I have never Um, seen it. There's there you never saw it before. Well, now I have. I've seen it since, but There's I had not until two days numbers. ago. I know. They do Midsummer Night's Dream. What do you mean? Have I not seen this? I love this movie. That's amazing. Well, you and Daniel oh. have something to talk about the next time. He loves this movie too. The movie is hard to come by, by the way. Uh, it's available on Cinemax, like the Cinemax add-ons on your um, different um, like it Amazon used to be on Hulu. Not is anymore. It? Nope. I looked around. Um, trust me. Uh, but yeah, we do a deep dive on Get Over It, which apparently hit uh, Daniel at the right time uh, when he was like 10 or 11. And he was telling me he's probably seen it more than he's seen any movie. <laughs> he quotes lines. He loves oh, the cast. Oh my God. Yeah. That's incredible. I know. I know. That so, makes me so happy. So this was a, a super fun chat with Daniel. That's the main event today. Um, other things. Think to, like yeah. on the cast, like, on the set of the Harry Potter movies that he would, like, talk about it with Maggie Smith. <laughs> like, he would be, like, or ask, ask like, that. Gary Oldman if he had ever seen <laughs> Get Over It. <laughs> this is why you really need to give me advice before I do the interviews and not after. That was yeah, my, that's my mistake. It. I did blow it. Uh, that being said, it's still an entertaining chat, as it always is with Daniel. Um, other things to mention. Uh, oh, new episodes of Stir Crazy this week on Comedy Central. Very excited about two guests we did uh, for this week. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key should be up by now. By the time you listen to this, check out that episode. He is, of course, a comic genius, and he is charming and funny. He is promoting a new uh CBS game show called Game On, but this uh, episode is is really plays to his strengths. He's hilarious in it. And later this week, I've been telling Sammy, oh, don't underestimate the deadpan comic stylings of one Dakota Johnson. Oh. Your new favorite. I've always loved Dakota. You've, but always, now you really love her after this. Well, I was I was hoping she would be as good as as she turned out to be in this format. You never know. But um, yeah, I think this one along with Michael Shannon might be my two favorite episodes of Stir Crazy wow. so far. Yeah. So if you're I'm telling to this, Ben Schwartz you said that. <laughs> the problem is, Ben, you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get a solid B. Always a solid B. <laughs> yeah. You'll get a smile. A smile. A lot of hair, solid mm-hmm. bee, a lot of enthusiasm. Um, but yeah, Dakota, it's a special one. So if you if you enjoy her and enjoy my work, check that out on Comedy Central's YouTube page later on this week. Um, we also collaborated on a big event that's since been been announced. We can at least say it's coming soon, right, Sammy? Yeah, very soon. June 5th is the day when many, 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 a cast of thousands, if not 15, come together (laughs) for a Teen Wolf reunion, the MTV show Teen Wolf. Um, I don't want to say too much, except to say, I think Teen Wolf fans are really going to get a kick out of this. All the the major players are there, and uh, yeah, it's good. It was a love, it was a happy love fest. It was, it was very sweet, very yeah. lovely. Yeah, I think, I think fans are going to really dig it. And uh, other, oh, I want to mention, we're, you know, Sammy and I are always comparing notes on what we've been watching. Um, I've made the bold decision to listen to the world and get with it and finally catch up on Ozark. So, so I'm nearing the end of season one on that. Dark, dark show, not necessarily, you know, I'm kind of looking for escape. It's not an escape. I wouldn't say that. It's obviously very well acted and engrossing. Um, and I'm frankly primarily, not primarily, but one of the reasons I'm watching is I've heard such great things out of season three. 
Um, so I'm hoping season two stays at a, a decent level and then season three really kicks in. But um, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm watching now. What about you, Sammy? I've like gone to do Ozark so many times and it's just, it feels, I know that I'll love it, but it's like, it feels so dark. It's like such an undertaking. Watch, let me ask you a couple questions. Did you okay. watch, did you watch Breaking Bad? Yes. I loved Breaking I loved Bad. Did you watch Bloodlines? Yes. And you liked it? I liked the first season. Okay. I would say it's it's the love child of of those two shows. It reminded me most of those. Um, yeah, Great. it is. The I mean, dark I love the Bloodline cast. Of course, of course, of course. You you're, you're Team Chandler. I'm Team Mendelssohn. We've both got our, <laughs> exactly. our loves in that one. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so Ozark as advertised is very good, and I'm, I'm hopefully in the next week or two I will be all caught up and on some maybe move on to something a little more comedic. I need some some lightness. I've caught some new new movies recently. Okay. New releases. What have uh, you seen? Uh, for the first time yesterday, I watched Gone with the Wind. Have you heard of it? <laughs> have you heard of it? They can't see. They can't hear you shaking your head. They, you know what? They can. <laughs> they actually can because they all feel the same way I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd never seen Gone with the Wind, and you decided. You know what? We're in week month three of quarantine. It's time I to watch four a, hours to it's kill. It's time to yeah. watch a four hour. Um, wow. So, what did you think of Gone with the Wind? A lot. <laughs> I thought a lot. I'm like still. I literally just watched it last night, so I'm still processing it. I'm very much loving um, a lot of. There's a lot of like behind the scenes factoids and oh, trivia. Sure. It's maybe one of the most written about movies in history. Just the search for Scarlett, Scarlett O'Hara alone. Yeah. And uh, I had never seen a Clark Gable movie before. So, um, do you stand Clark Gable? Are you a, a yeah. team rep all the way? Yeah. I was like, Batman's head of hair. I'm in. Um, okay. um yeah, it's, it's, it was pretty fascinating. And what, anything else was that? That's your big commitment of the week. Uh, I, I watched Yentl. <laughs> all right. They definitely heard that sigh and shaking. Yeah. Your head. You've seen that. And I'm still doing West Wing. You've seen Yentl before, yes? Long, long time ago. Okay. Yeah, you're in a Mandy kick right now, right? You're in, um, you're, well, you're I'm always on a Mandy show. kick. Yeah. But as I told you the other day, it, it blows my mind that he's never been in like a real movie musical. Right. And I think, didn't I say, did I say this? No, you I said, said Dick, Dick Tracy, Tracy. Which is not a musical, but has... But he doesn't sing in Yentl. He doesn't sing any until. No. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Uh, well, he does sing in Dick Tracy. So get back to me when you get with that. Okay. Yeah, fine. It's a good movie. Yeah. Okay. It's just, yeah. it's like I want him to sing, sing. Well, there's plenty of iTunes selections for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been watching bootleg YouTubes of his sure. concerts. I'm sure. We're all dealing with this insanity <laughs> in different ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. On to the main event, guys. Here's Daniel Radcliffe. He is talking about Get Over It, words I never thought I would say, as well as his new, as his new podcast, Cunning Stunts, again, available on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, as is this one. So spread the good word on both of these worthy podcast pursuits and enjoy this chat with Daniel Radcliffe. Well, here we are, another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused, a little bit different, but I'm happy to say that we have a returning guest. He's the notable actor, song and dance man, fantasy football enthusiast, master Lego builder. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one and only Dan Radcliffe. 
Thank you for having me. Yes, my Lego building has really become the, the thing I'm known for in quarantine. It's, it's something I realized I had to stop mentioning in pre-interviews because you can't say that to a producer on television without them going, well, can we see it? <laughs> um, and at a certain point, at what point am I just advertising for Lego for free? Um, so I had to ease off slightly. Yeah, I, I have two people in my life that uh, are loving Lego right now. It's you and my seven-year-old nephew. No, no judgments. No judgments. No, there isn't. I like. I. I. I text. Somebody texted me the other day, uh, a bit after I sent them a picture of everything we'd made, and they said, uh, "You're a grown man." Uh, to which I text back, "Yes, a child could not do this." Um, <laughs> but uh, it's yeah. We've been, we've now got so just to to fully round out the, the picture in your mind, we've got the we've got Jurassic Park, Stranger Things a little mini uh, New York skyline, um, a Fiat 500, the International Space Station, and last night we just finished building Yoda. <laughs> so it's, we, are, we are now having to have conversations that are, uh, where we're like, well, I think we need to, the, the space where we build the Lego and the space where we keep the Lego have to become two different spaces now because we are, it's, it's becoming, there's a lot. Yeah, the, for, sadly, the audience uh, listening to the podcast can't see you as I can, mm. but I can see you're sitting on a giant Lego throne, which is yeah. is kind of overkill. Yeah, exactly. man. I mean, I mean, it's inc- it's incredibly uncomfortable, but it's a <laughs> it's a real status symbol. <laughs> so uh, we were just catching up a little bit before the the official podcast began, but um, seems like you're holding up uh, as well as can be expected in these crazy times. Yeah, absolutely, um, you know, I mean, we're 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 very lucky. Uh, me and my girlfriend are together. I feel. Very, very bad for anyone who is having to do this alone. I know personally that I would be going absolutely crazy if I if I was alone. So well done to anybody uh, who is alone and not. Or even if you are alone and are still well done for just getting through. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it, but so we're, we're, we're okay. You know, I'm just very, very happy to be where I am. What what is occupying your time mostly right now besides the the, the fun Lego stuff? I mean, are you are you, to Lego. are you watching um, stuff? Are you trying to like work? Or are you embracing this as a time to kind of just not put any expectations on yourself for what? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of trying to get work done whilst also uh, letting myself fall back on the expectation that nothing really matters right now. Um, so I'm you know I'm I'm writing. I did actually like finish a draft or something, which I'm very happy with. Uh, but I would also uh, I'd say, because I, I sent somebody, I sent it to somebody and they were like, whoa, you wrote a whole script in quarantine, well done you. And I was like, no, 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 I started this years ago. <laughs> this just gave me the opportunity to, to finish it. Um, but that's, that's pretty much the only like, productive thing I've done. I've done a lot of um, press. I've been doing, I had the, the Kimmy Schmidt special count on Netflix, so there was a lot of press around that. Um, but sort of on a day-to-day thing, we've sort of got quite a good routine of, you know, we'll get up, do our like hour of working out in our living room, uh, sort of, you know, just uh, if if we have a, an errand to run that day, then run that errand, and then come back and watch. We 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 started off with a list of films that either one or the other of us had not seen, and and sort of trying to work our way through that. We did that for quite a few weeks. That's sort of an ongoing project. We then slipped into uh Schitt's Creek which was uh, a com- a huge comfort and I've never seen it before that was uh, that was my first binge of the of the quarantine yes mine too I had, yeah, I, yeah. I had never seen it you hadn't watched it either yeah no I literally I'm really bad at uh watching stuff that I know is many seasons long because I sort of hate the commitment of that and I and I if I get into it I'm, I'm like I want to know what happens but if I hate it I'll, I want to watch it and I won't enjoy it anyway so that was my thing. And then I was like, we were building some Lego and Aaron, Aaron just put on some Shits Creek and I was like, hmm, this is pretty funny. And it was it. We were in like season three 
and I got to the end of season three and I was like, what would you say to just starting it all over again from the beginning? And wow. then we then we went back to the beginning and, and started and now we're and now we've watched all but the final two episodes because we don't want to finish it because we we just want them still to come in our lives. So but I think the time's gonna come when we have to watch that soon. And and the other thing that we've also gone back to the very beginning on and now just have started watching uh, beginning to end is Fraser. Um, I've heard you mention that. Yeah, Fraser so is one. just great. Cheers was the sitcom of my childhood that I embraced. That was my favorite uh, sitcom of all time. And I remember liking Frasier and I know many people who I respect and whose judgment I respect talk endlessly about Frasier. So it's one that I, I definitely probably should go back to. It, it, it's really, it's really impressive. Um, it, you know, it, it, look, it suffers from, I'm sure lots, lots of the things that like people uh, talk about of you know uh, shows of that era like Friends or Seinfeld or like lack of diversity and all that stuff. There, there all those problems are like absolutely there and, and exist. However, I am very impressed by the ability to build a show around people who like should be inherently very unsympathetic, like Frasier. But the whole the whole thing is about just like Frasier can be as much of uh, can you swear on the podcast? Yeah, I can swear on the podcast. Yeah. Right? Frasier can be as much of an asshole as he likes and Niles can be as big a snob as he is because you always know they're going to get taken down a peg by life in the end and sometimes right. so quickly um and their their snobbery and their arrogance is, is always the cause of their downfall um it's also just like I could watch David Hyde Pierce do almost anything I I I the the amount of times I I yeah I just uh I I think he's incredible on that show and uh so yeah that's a real that's a, another great pleasure so yeah we started off trying to challenge ourselves with films and we've just like gotten further and further into just like comedy with laugh tracks and things that are comfortable and nice well that's exactly we'll get into that in the latter half of the podcast yeah. and to our comfort um uh watches but um before yeah. we get to that um i was excited to learn that you're you're kind of uh coming into my territory a little bit in, in a tangential way yeah. you're part of a new podcast that uh i've enjoyed the first few new episodes of it just started it's called cunning yeah. stunts and stunts. and you have a very close personal connection to this T- tell me a little bit about your friend and how this podcast came about, how your involvement came Yeah, about. absolutely. So um, so on the Potter films, my one of my best friends was my stunt double called, he was a guy called David Holmes. Um, we met when I was, I guess, 11 and he was uh, 17, which is one of those amazing, because at the time we met and I was like, he was this like towering adult in my life. And I was like, you know, you're so much older and have so much more life experience than me. And now we're just like two guys in our thirties with, which right. seems very interchangeable. Um, but yeah, so Dave was, you know, a, a huge part of the films for me. The, I, I, I will never get to do more stunts in my life than I got to do on the Potter films. And from, I found this out recently. So apparently on uh, like day one or two of the first film, the stunt coordinator saw me swing a bat at, uh, during one of the like the, the Quidditch scenes and immediately turned to Dave Holmes and went, uh, we're going to have to do some work with him. Because <laughs> literally, the, <laughs> me, not even swinging a bat at a ball, just swinging a bat in the air. The stunt coordinator was like, he needs some help. Um, He's so your project Dave, now, David. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> so Dave then was like put in charge of doing like, three probably half hour sessions with me of like gym stuff every week and every lunch uh, so it started off three times a week we go down to the stunt department and just like mess around on mats and doing stunts and board rolls and somersaults and and it just became a feature of the film so we did that every day for uh eight years i would guess um and then 
so on the so Dave was my stunt double through all the first six films. Um, anything truly dangerous that you saw Harry doing that time was done by him. Um, and there were there were a couple of other stunt doubles as well, but Dave was the the main one. Um, and uh, then while he was testing a stunt for the seventh film for Deathly Hallows Part One, which is the uh, the jerk back through the wall in the Nagini fight scene, um, I believe he there was a tragic awful and freak accident um and dave ended up getting paralyzed from the chest down um and at the time it was something that you know it just didn't seem real like i'd known stuntmen to have injuries before and i'd known uh you know i i you were aware that things can go wrong but the actual the actuality of that happening seems so far from being a possibility that for it to happen and then to happen to one of not just my best friends. Dave was a, uh, he, 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 and I can't kind of emphasize enough how for somebody who'd only been in the industry at that point for about, you know, 10 years, he was very sort of industry famous. Like everyone knew Dave Holmes and everyone knew he was my stunt double. And he was just a, and he is still, but he, he was, he, he's an incredible character. Um, at the time, he was also incredibly cocky when he first came into the industry. He was like this unbelievably good gymnast who was, you know, was doubling the lead actor on the huge series of films at the age of 17. So, yeah, he was going to be quite pleased with himself. Um, but he was also just like an amazingly hard worker and a brilliant stuntman. Um, and so there was a real, you know, many people were really affected by what happened today obviously nobody more than, than Dave himself. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as awful as what happened was, um, the way Dave has dealt with it and has, uh, you know, the, the sort of person he's become in the 10 years since the accident has been just this incredible sort of inspiration to uh, everyone else in his life. Um, and Dave is still incredibly passionate about stunts. And I think one of the hardest things for all the other people in his life to see is that he's like that he doesn't have the same outlet for this incredible passion that he has as he as he used to by doing it um so the podcast really came out of just wanting to you know uh, all of us in amy uh, I, I have to mention amy stairs who's the producer of the podcast who's who's you know been sort of the driving force behind it in a lot of ways because dave and i as individuals are very hard to organize so amy has been the person that's been sort of pushing us in in all the, the right ways um and made it happen but um so we yeah we've all wanted uh to sort of find something that we can work on with dave that sort of still allows him to have that connection with the thing that he loves and this seemed just like a very, you know, when you, my advice to anybody who is starting life on a film set is seek out the stunt department because they are the most fun. Um, not, I mean, there are lots of departments of fun, but generally speaking, like some of the best times I have had on a film set is just sitting around listening to stuntmen tell each other stories of their lives and sort of reminisce about stuff. Um, so we kind of just wanted to recreate that in the podcast and with with the slight hope that because it's, Dave and because it's me and I, I know a lot of the people that we're interviewing as well and all the people that we've interviewed so far know Dave very well um that there'll be a, a slightly greater degree of like openness uh, because it's not it you know it's sort of you're talking to a peer rather than talking to somebody I think there is a uh, there can be a slight 
people on film sets have almost been slightly taught to be slightly suspicious of journalists um, just because they're like, you never know what. And it's, you know, it's funny when I knew that I was talking to you today, I went back and looked at a couple of the articles that came out originally, like straight after the, um, the, the accident. And you go, oh yeah, that's, that's why people are reticent to talk to people right. because, you know, there's, there's, there's always an awareness that it might be like one of the articles was like the curse of Harry Potter. And there's wanting to, take a very individual and unique tragic thing and actually there were you know there were a couple you know we had a, a guy a cast member rob that was was tragically also murdered but those two things are but like the press in order to tie them into a harry potter sure. curse narrative is so diminishing to both of the actual things of what happened there that you know um but uh yeah so that's that was sort of the the, the idea was that we would start off by just kind of um, talking to some stump people that, that Dave loves and respects. And so the first series, we started off with a guy called Derek Lee, who is um, an incredible, who's, uh, we started off with him because we thought, well, he, he had, one of the questions we asked everybody was to, to sort of give us a list of their injuries. And uh, Derek's was the, the most insane I think we ever had. Um, he's also just kind of an amazing storyteller, uh, and he's somebody that people might recognize if you have some of the same like nerdy uh, predilections as me. Like I don't if there was a uh, there was a History Channel uh, movie called The Crescent and the Cross years ago about the Crusades, and uh, Derek played Richard Lionheart in that, I believe. Um, so you'll sort of like Derek's got a face that I feel like people will probably recognize as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's the gist of it. Well, it does it does on now. no no no, but it does feel like exactly it sounds like what you guys are going for, which is it, it kind of feels like you're eavesdropping on a conversation on a set of like comparing where war stories and like wasn't yeah. that, how how crazy was that? But it, it also struck me like listening to the first couple episodes, and I think one of the guests there's I think there's a husband and wife who's on the second yes. episode, right? Yeah, David. Um, yeah. Um, talking about how there's kind of like this like misnomer that they're like daredevils that they're like they're like seeking like, like sure there's obviously a lot of chutzpah and and, and, and and ego involved but it's um they're almost like more athletes um and 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 take their work obviously so seriously because it can be life and death if they if they're not exceptional at their jobs so I think it's yeah. it's a great it's a it's a great show in that it kind of pulls the curtain back on some of the preconceived notions that people that aren't as intimately involved in the industry have. Yeah. I think the, the thing that, that I, the two things that I think I would add to that is that there are some stuff. I think Dave is a, is an example of somebody who is, you know, Dave and Tina are, are both in, they're like, they are about precision and safety and sure. that, you know, I think there are some stuff <laughs> that have a daredevil element right. to them. Like I know a couple who are also just like, there's because to be a stuntman in the uk you have to get onto something called the stunt register mm -hmm. to do that you have to basically get to instructor level in six different disciplines i can't remember off the top of the head what they are but there's like a fighting one a driving one uh gymnastics something like you know there's all kind so you have to like you've probably done 10 years training in six different disciplines by the time you get to be actually called a stuntman right. um so there's an incredible for the even for like the craziest person you've had to be incredibly disciplined to like get where you are. Right. Um, and yeah, I think the other, the other misconception about stunt men and stunt, some people, sorry to say, is that they are, um, that 
there are some stuff like I remember the first time I saw someone do a stair fall, uh, which is, you know, again, a stunt that a lot of stunt people will tell you that although it looks like quite a sort of routine kind of thing, they're actually some of the most horrible things to do because there just isn't a way that you can fake it. There isn't a, there is no stunt there. You'll just have to be willing to do it. Right. Um, and that actually goes for a lot of stunts. Like there's not, there's, it's, I think people outside the film industry think, oh, they found like a really super safe way of doing that. And actually like, it probably just hurt a lot. And that, and that stunt person is willing to, to sort of take that. Um, and you know, they, they are, they are, they are well paid, but you know, when you, spend time around Dave and you can see the actual cost of what that can be. You're like, yeah, they, they should be well paid. Is there, is there, is there a stunt that you've performed over the years that, that you almost took pride in doing yourself? Um, uh, Yeah, massively. I know exactly which one it is. I mean, there's, there's a few that I've done that I'm like, that was really cool some actors wouldn't have wanted to do that. But the, the one that I was like, Oh, I will never get to do this again. And I, you can make an argument that I shouldn't be getting to it now is um, was on the fourth Harry Potter film when I was like 16. And they, uh, you know, as I said, I was really close with all the stunt guys at that time. And they had got me to do a lot of stuff in the past. And during the dragon chase uh, sequence, there's a, about a 35 foot slide down a roof and the roof is like vertical. So, you know, you just hit the roof and slide sort of free fall down. Um, and Greg Powell, our stunt coordinator, and, and Davey said to me, you know, do you want to try it? Because it's on a wire. You're on a wire. The wire, you're let go. You're in free fall, and the wire catches you, you know, a couple of feet before you hit the crash mat at the bottom. Um, and the only thing you have to do, you have to make sure that you're like, you, you don't, you don't, you flex your feet rather than pointing them because if your toe hits and you can go out further than that. So there's a few things to it. But, um, and at the time, I was, you know, so full of just 16-year-old bravado and wanting to impress my stuntmen friends. I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'll do that. And I do remember getting to the top. They took you up in a, a cherry picker. I don't know what they're called over here, JCB, something. Um, and I remember getting to the top and being like, oh, this is very, very high. And I did not, like, 35 feet feels very high. Like, Tina, um, in our second episode, talks about doing a, a 90-foot high fall from in outside without a wire or anything um and that's you know that's a that's another level but to me so if I foot was like oh this is people look tiny I I really uh but we did it and I did it uh three times I think we did three takes um and after the first one I was like okay that was terrifying but I, I've done it now I can do it again and no. that's the thing and I will never be able to I will not be allowed to do stuff like that again so I'm very glad that I've had that opportunity <laughs> We're all we're all the young actors equally gung ho. I mean, I guess there is that thing of like you're you're so young you don't realize how dangerous mm-hmm. it is, and you have all that kind of like arrogance of youth. Like we're Emma and Rupert and Tom and the whole gang. Do you remember them all equally? Yeah, no, I mean, there's that we all like really enjoyed it, and we all had stunt doubles as well. Like we, we but but any time that we'd be allowed to uh, <laughs> do something, I feel like we all really got into it, and that was part of that was really part of the joy of those films that I I I didn't fully appreciate at the time because I did just think, oh, this is just going to be a part of filmmaking. And if I keep doing films, I'll always be able to do these crazy action sequences. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, Emma was always very physical. Um, yeah, I think we all, yeah, we, we all really enjoyed that side of it. But um, I, I, I was, I think one of the only, cause I was there like all the time. I was the only one getting sort of like regular stunt training. So that Got was it. very lucky. One, one of the, um, constant uh, discussions in recent years when it comes to uh, awards is a Oscars category for stunts. I assume I, I know where you're going to fall on this one, but do you, do you think it should be recognized as, a, uh, as an awards category? I do, but I think you have to be 
I think there are certain things that you would have to take into consideration um, in that I, like, I think it would be a conversation would have to be had about how you like I don't think you could give just like a best stuntman award like it would have to be like best sequence and then maybe right. in the same way that you know with makeup there's a few people from the department that are nominated you could have the coordinator and the the, the I also think there's it's interesting because I most of the stuntmen we spoke to are all very much in favor of you know we should be recognized and I I am absolutely of the mindset that like these are literally the only people that put their lives and bodies on the line for the name of entertainment on a regular basis it's crazy that you know, there's there's the Taurus Awards which is fantastic and I think SAG maybe has an award there is another one of the big ceremonies okay. that has has an award but for it not to be recognized in the in the sort of big you know that when you look at the trailers of the film with the, the films that people go and see <laughs> like the people you are watching in those trailers are stunt like yeah. for the most part they are the they are the people that make the sequences of the things that make cinema like a massive commercial success so it feels crazy not to one of them the only other thing i would add to it though is that you don't want to get into a any kind of a situation where uh in in an effort to get that award stunt things get unnecessarily crazy and like people right. are competitive that makes sense later. totally so there's that's something to be so you'd have to like structure it in a way where like individuals are not uh incentivized to do insane stuff <laughs> yes, um yes. but uh but yeah I, I ultimately the answer is yes i don't i think it's nuts that they don't have, have an oscar for that but I mean, you hit upon something that I totally obviously agree with, of course, where like, you know, I think of the, the movies that an action in particular that really resonates with me. It's the stuff, you know, CGI has its place and certainly Potter and all the big franchises utilized it very well and used the best artisans in the world. But there's no replacing what feels like an actual human being doing something. I think of like, you know, I, I mention all the time and any cinephile does like Mad Max in recent yeah. years, Fury Road, like give that movie all the awards and it was all done virtually all yeah. practically. I mean, that was why that was such a success is because there is something, there is something like thrilling and terrifying about knowing that that is a real human being. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, talking to, and there's also talking to a lot of the sound guys doing these interviews. A lot of them have those shots that they are convinced that people still think were visual effects but was actually them. And that's, the, those are the most, because there is now that we know we have visual effects, there's a tendency among us to be like, oh, that must've been a special right. shot. Whereas actually I was, you know, hopefully I'm sure he'll be one of the interviews we, we put out at some point, but um, we interviewed uh, a guy called Dave Garrett, who, who was um, on, was one of the guys in the, the, the opening of the, oh, I can't remember, the Bane, the Bane Batman. Oh, oh Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, with Dark Knight Rises, where the the plane transfer at the beginning, yes. it was, like hearing the story of that. Oh, I can't wait. Just like That's amazing, insane. Um, and so yeah, there, there's there are some uh, yeah, it's 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 just um, they they do unbelievable things, and it's and they and it's often a case of you know things that have not been done before. Like I believe in in that case particularly, there was you know there's they are work they are working out how to do something that is unprecedented um and doing it for a film like you know it's it's i you know with some of the stories we've heard of people like you know some some of the dangerous stuff people have done for objectively bad films over the years <laughs> as well like it you know and you just do it because they love being there and it's yeah. their job and it's you know it's i just i think they are um some of the the most 
passionate and like they they uh emit something that is like best about the film industry yeah. um and uh, while also simultaneously off you know sometimes suffering really tragic consequences in the name of something because you know we are uh, the, to, to throw around a, a phrase that is used a lot at the moment but there is nothing about film that is essential we are not saving lives and yet these people are willing to like risk their lives and their bodies to make something incredibly special happen in the name of entertainment um so yeah it's a, it's just a great it's a real um you know it's an honor to know so many of them um and it's an like it's an honor to be dave's friend and uh i'm i'm hoping you know that that this is that the podcast is kind of a it is really just about sort of trying to shed light and and honor all these amazing people and hopefully yeah hopefully tell show an audience a little a bit more about them well it does it does i would i would venture to say phil's a there aren't, aren't many voids in the podcast universe right now i feel like there's like a podcast on every single no. subject but there was nothing as, as yeah. far as i know about this and it seems like dave is yeah. the perfect guy to be kind of our window into that world and to have um i'm sorry what, what what do we call you? Are we are you co-hosts? Are you a are you? I a... guess so. I mean, I mean, I guess like co-interviewer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just like I'm just along for the ride. That's the thing. I I, I it's uh, at the moment like I've been very involved in all of everything that's happened with the podcast so far. Um, you know. I, my ambition is for the podcast to continue and I don't know that I will always be able to be this involved as I am right now. So I suppose yeah. I'm leaving myself a little, you know, it's, it's Dave's show and I will help out when I can sort of thing. Fair enough. So uh, another reminder for folks that are listening, uh, it's uh, Cunning Stunts. It's on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I, the first two episodes are up as, as we speak today. By the time you listen to this, perhaps more. Uh, and it is well worth your time if you love film as much as Dan and I. Um, speaking of loving movies, uh, speaking of loving movies, let's talk about this classic. <laughs> so, as you know, um, the the focus of the podcast has changed uh, given our insane times because we are looking for some comfort now. So, I've been asking yeah. all my guests to pick a comfort movie, and some have surprised me, some have not. You're in the former category, Daniel. <laughs> Great, good. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, no aspersions, no judgments here. I had never seen this movie. I was going to say, have you seen it? Yeah. I have, I have now seen it. I went back okay, I did my due diligence. So now we can have an intelligent, thoughtful conversation. Um, great. Tell us your comfort movie and why you selected it. Yeah. So I picked the movie Get Over It, which I think was released in 2001. Um, and I, first of all, it's, it's a movie I saw at the time and loved. And I think I grew up because it was one of the it was one of the, it hit me at the right time for like teen high school movie. And so because I grew up and it hit me at that perfect time, I assumed it was a very famous teen high school movie until a few years later when I was like, Oh no, not as many people know this as I thought. Um, But it has become something that uh, for various reasons means a lot. But one of the things that happened was so me and my girlfriend uh, it, this is one of the first things we bonded over because we we met because we we were on a film together that Ben Foster was also in, and so the the open the first night we all got together and like Ben was there and like me and Aaron were there and then like Ben left for a second and me and Aaron turned to each other and were like 
I'm freaking out about meeting Ben from Get Over It. <laughs> like, I, and, and both of us were like, we probably shouldn't mention that, right? I mean, I don't know if that's like, he's done a lot of other stuff since and it's very different. So I don't know <laughs> if that would be the film he would like us to pick or whatever. So like, I don't, I can't actually remember if we did mention it to him in the end that night. I did, by the end of the film, I had 100% mentioned it to him. But, um, but yeah, so that was, it, it sort of meant a lot. It means a lot for that reason that it's like now sort of our film. But I also, um, I think it weirdly, yeah, I watched it again last night. Um, I do think it weirdly holds up. It is not, it is not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. There is a lot of the sort of, you know, there's a lot of the like kind of gross out stuff of the early 2000s. There's a bit of, uh, you know, there's a, a recurring theme in which uh, a, a dog has sex with inanimate objects. There, there's, there's lots of stuff that like, it's not a mature, smart person movie in some ways, but in other ways, I, I do think it's still brilliant. I think it's brilliant for a couple of reasons. First of all, the aforementioned Ben Foster. Like, having Ben Foster's intense energy in a high school teen movie... Totally. <laughs> there is just something brilliant about it. Like, in the same way that, you know, in the same way that I was talking... I haven't watched this for ages, but, like, having, like, I imagine Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You, like, having that kind of genuine, like real kind of brooding energy in this kind of film is or, awesome. Here's an example, Sean Penn, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Right. Uh, using all like um, th these actors <laughs> that I've known for like such intensity and commitment and to channel it into something that might seem very frivolous and very dispensable. And yet yeah, that, was, that was what piqued my curiosity when I, cause I vaguely knew of it. And then I looked it up and I'm like, wait, Ben Foster is the lead of a, a team yeah. comedy? Like this is, Okay, this is interesting. <laughs> and then just like him, you know, there's one scene in a club where he is staring at somebody with like the with his like three ten to humor stare, and just like, <laughs> it, it is it is it is great. And he's he's really funny in it. I mean, he's so I think he's so charming in it. He also like has to do like some dancing and and singing. Like he's 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 a wonderful like lead in the movie. Um, the cast as a whole deserves like a mention because it is insane by yeah. like today's standards so it's ben foster colin hanks kirsten dunst zoe saldana um mila kunis mila kunis um cisco uh, you love that cisco cisco, <laughs> cisco i've looked it up so this was just this was fresh off the thong top right this was like <laughs> Uh oh, you 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 froze up just as you were discussing the thong song, Dan. Let's see if you re return. Frozen. Oh no, you're back. You're back. Okay, he's back. Um, yeah, um, he's you know he's look. Cisco is not the most natural actor in every moment. He's got but his he is also very charming, and he has his moment at the end where he does fantastic dancing, and it's great. Um, yeah, it, yeah. I uh, also the fact that it is like I mean I the. the the, I think all the like Midsummer Night Dream stuff is like really kind of well shot in that exit where, where it does exist both as like a school play and a sort of fantasy world. Um, but the, the, the thing I would say to anyone who's like, I don't care if you hate the rest of the film, the entire film is worth it for Martin Short. Like the, in, I, there is not a scene or a moment that he is not, there is not one scene where he does not make you like laugh out loud uproariously like at least a few times. He, he of course plays Dr. Desmond Forrest Oates, which it does feel it does feel like there's a uh, a Guffman influence. Maybe this came a couple years after Waiting for Guffman. Oh right, yes, I suppose. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, very much. So he's 
so I, I wrote down uh, a couple of lines that <laughs> wait, he before, said. Wait, before we go any further, I, I do want, before we get all the way through this, I want to mention oh, yeah. just a little general information for the audience. If, oh, they, yeah, sure. if they're not you familiar, we'll get over it. Yes. Um, so this is, this, this, is, this is a summary of maybe from IMDb. I don't know where I pulled this. So it says, when Burke Landers, a popular high school basketball star, gets dumped by his lifelong girlfriend, Allison, he soon begins to lose it. But with the help of his best friend, Felix's sister, Kelly, he follows his ex into the school's spring musical, thus indoors. Uh, uh, I don't know what that word is. A love triangle loosely based on Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, so yes, and again, just basics, as you said, it came out in March of 2001. Uh, you mentioned the cast. It's so funny because, yeah, it's like, honestly, directed by someone. I mean, you know me. I know my stuff. I don't know this director. Tommy O'Haver went on to do yeah. Ella, Ella Enchanted, written by a guy named R. Lee Fleming Jr. He did She's All That, so he was clearly in that mode in those times. Right. Um and yeah, it wasn't a huge hit. It was a nope. $22 million budget, grossed about that back. Um, okay, so they broke even. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. They, they broke did even. Okay. Probably did okay on they, home video. They, they've made it back now just on my rentals. <laughs> exactly. It's going to get a, a huge boost on iTunes <laughs> after this. Um, but yeah, sorry. So you were going to say, so that, that's one of the highlights for you, is Martin Short. Oh, yeah. And some, some of his the, lines. Martin Short. And, and yeah, so some of his lines, uh, there's... <laughs> There's one moment where he says, in the words of the wonderful Kevin Spacey, the show must go on. That Which, line has aged perfectly. Perfect. In my eyes. Like, I know. That's the thing. I'm sure there's like somebody who's like, oh, I want it. No, that with no. coming out of that character in that moment is perfect. Um, uh, Bill Shakespeare is a wonderful poet, but Burt Bacharach, he ain't. Because that's, I don't know if that was in the summary, but yeah, the the, the readaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream is, is a musical. Um, so, or you get lots of uh, actually genuinely very funny and great crap songs near the end. Um, it's, uh, oh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, and, oh my God, I can't believe I got this far into talking about this film without talking about this part of it. The opening sequence yes. is just joyous. Well, that's like, it is, when, uh, I start, when yeah. I started watching this, I was like, oh my God, am I going to, am I going to fall in love with this movie? Because this opening, it's a, it's a legitimately great opening. The rest yeah. of the movie, I'll give a B, B minus two. The opening yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. The opening is really like, and I think I saw it, I saw it in the cinema and I was just like blown away by that. And like, I don't think I knew that you could do that kind of thing in film yet. Um, so like where you could just have this, this world that, felt really real and grounded but just crazy shit could happen at any yeah. point and it also felt like it was part of it um also the movie where i'm I pretty sure i yeah fell in love with kirsten dunst at age like 12 or however i was when i saw this film that was like solidified by spider-man but started i think probably by get over it right well this one for context in her career this came i think a year after bring it on and like a year before spider-man so she was kind of just tra transitioning she was about to get oh, okay. kind of go to the next level in whatever um wow. it's been a fascinating career so where was it what was so it was like how far off the drop dead gorgeous was it oh that's a good question i'll have to look that up i'm not sure that's yeah that's another film that it's weirdly hard to find online that it should be easy to find. Um, <laughs> like you imagine you just searching endlessly into, into the wee hours of the night. Where is Drop Dead Gorgeous? I can't find it. <laughs> no, we did because no, we, me and Aaron again ages ago, like a couple of years ago, we were like, we were like, hey, we haven't seen that film in ages, and we went to watch it, and it was just like weirdly hard uh, to find uh, for a film that again we both consider a classic. So um, my, I'm, I'm, I'm always, we've had conversations about your like education in film, how you were so late to Star Wars, et cetera. I'm kind of endlessly fascinated by like the films that you, that you found in, 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 in what time and in what way. Like was watching 
this because you must have watched this probably by the time you watched this maybe you were making the first potter film yeah, um, like that. did this feel like is this like going to the zoo or like an alien coming to the planet earth like when you're watching something like this it must feel, feel like such a foreign world to see like an american high school teen comedy yes but also i think we are so suffused with american culture in the uk that you know you've like I, I was familiar enough with like the the look of like safe by the bell was like on a lot and yeah. like st- there were the ideas of american high school were and it always did seem like whoa american high school is like terrifying and weird and there are all these different groups and like you really have to everyone wears their own clothes it's crazy like but um but but yeah the the um so I think I was kind of ready for that kind of, but although none of the other ones, I guess 10 things I hate about you, I really enjoyed, but like right. none of the other like classic kind of high school movies. I didn't think like she's all that. I don't think I've ever seen. Um, were, were you ever offered anything in this vein? Because somehow, I guess because you were so busy or whatever, it just never happened. You were never in so busy and, and so British. I think particularly at that time, I was yeah. very much like, there was no one going to be like, Hey, maybe he could be an American in an American high school movie. Um, so I could yeah, imagine I mean, I you guess, as like the, the 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 foreign exchange student in like American Pie Four as stunt casting, you know. <laughs> oh man, that could have, oh well, I missed. Oh, I missed sorry, sorry to bring you down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I definitely. Well, I mean, I could have been. Uh, I obviously, if there was a there was a get over it too, I could still be like Shane West's brother because that's another thing we haven't touched on. Shane West is in this movie doing a spectacularly. I, I don't even know if it is a British accent. It's just a something accent, and it's it's, but it's great, and it's it is what it's meant to be. I think. Um, Do you know what the tagline for the movie was on the poster? Oh no! Split happens. Okay, <laughs> that's the thing. Oh, it's really so, it's so sad. I've never seen you sadder. I have, oh, I mean, it's yeah. better. Oh. There's things. That's the thing. I feel like it. There's a lot about this movie that uh, there's there's so many. This movie could have fallen into a really generic place if it yeah. wasn't for a really interesting cast, I think. And a re- I mean, obviously, like I don't want to take away from like the writing is funny and the story is is, but I do think that, that it is it is it is probably a a just okay movie that for me is is elevated to uh, really like something I love by the acting and the. Um, a couple of the the kind of directorial flourishes, like the opening and the, a couple of the sequences. Um, but you, yeah, it's sorry. No, I was going to say, did you know that Kirsten and Ben Foster were apparently dating during the production of this film? No, but that does make sense. They have really good chemistry. They do. They, they do. do. They do seem like they like they like each other. Do you think that getting uh, shot by a crossbow, crossbow at that short range would kill a human being? Going back to our stunts conversation, hundred <laughs> percent. I was that, that we were. That was what I was noticing uh, really last night. Was how ben, how much punishment Ben Foster takes in this film. Like he is strung up in like a sex uh, like sex club at one point in a harness, and the police come in. He is. Um, he exposes himself to the the entire basketball court. It was interesting when you said when you were doing the. Uh, the, the summary that you said he's a, a star on the basketball team or like that. I had no idea he was a star. Yeah, I missed I was that like, too, I know he like played it, but the only thing you see him playing once and he's like fine. And then you see him playing again and he very much humiliates himself. So I, that, that's, that's a, that's not a driving plot point. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a crossbow. And then he gets shot with a crossbow 
he gets punched by Colin Hanks and maybe someone else. Um, and there's a rite end, of passage at this. I mean, I think of something yeah. like there's something about Mary and all the abuse that like Ben Stiller went through. Right. That. There's something about yes. our our to, beleaguered to get hero. The girl, you must have incredible physical punishment happen to you for her to know that you're really interested. Um, I do also. There's one line that I love at the end, which is great. Which I any uh, any film or show based around the idea of like a school play or a, or a high school production of something. Um, always like they always have the, the first production of it and like whatever's going wrong the, the the sort of climax of the story has to happen on that first night it never happens on like the second or third night of shows but they never sort of have to like pay attention to the idea that there will be other shows right. so i really like the idea that in the, in in this one they like go it goes horribly wrong they almost kill one of the actors and then the two stage crew guys at the end just uh, turn to each other like same again tomorrow uh, so i like that they acknowledge the reality of that i also feel like watching this like 87 minute movie that i saw like half the play i feel like there's like a good portion of the production <laughs> yeah they they do uh, they really you know uh, desmond forest oats he he wrote some songs and they're, yeah. they're all in there i was trying to find out like who i could i found who like composed the music last night but i couldn't mm. actually for definite find who like actually wrote the songs we'll I, was, get, I thought they were quite we'll good we'll get the happy set confused research team on it let, yeah. me go through, let me go through the comfort movie questionnaire for you the best performance okay. in this film goes to um, it has to be Martin Short Ben Foster like carries it but I do think Martin Short is the reason I keep coming back to it okay. it's, a more, it's a different thing like it's a more showy performance he has, to, he has a different job but like I'll go for mine um, best scene what's, what's your favorite um, scene Best scene. I mean, I, gonna, I guess I'm gonna go for the the opening sequence or just the the final the final sort of like the play happening. Do you ever? You've already quoted some lines. Uh, the question is, your favorite line or a line that you find yourself quoting? Do you ever find yourself in day to day quoting this to um, Aaron to anybody? Or? I'm sure. I mean, I know Aaron does. Aaron sometimes. Aaron will. <laughs> We, we reference, there's a character in the film called Little Steve, uh, who every time he tries to say something, Martin Short just goes, put your hand down, Little Steve. So we say that sometimes. Um, uh, but yeah, I can't offer the, my, I'm, I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and, I'll start adding uh, in the words of the wonderful Kevin Spacey, the show must go on though. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need to contextualize that because people are going to yeah, give you a, a real dirty no, 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 look. Guys, it's, a, it's a joke from a film. It's a joke from a film. It's from um, Get Over It, okay, guys? I do, yeah, we all know that film. It's universally loved. <laughs> Um, should there be a remake or sequel to this film? No, there is no need. Um, unless, as I said, unless, unless uh, you know, Shane West and I are brothers and that's, no, 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 there's, there's really no need. I'd like to program a double feature for the audience. What's a, what's a good film that would go with this as a double bill? Um, I've got, a, I've got a nominee, uh, but if you what's have one What's your nominee? Talk, well, I mean, I was going to suggest, yeah, I was just going to suggest, like, one of the other films, like, 10 Things I Hate About You. I feel like a 90s high school double bill thing is what I would put on that. I think this, is, this might be on a different sort of a level, but I think of Shakespeare-inspired uh, teen comedies, I think Clueless. Uh, oh, yeah. Clueless, yeah. Right. Yeah, 10 Things I, I Hate About You is in the same vein, too. That's, yeah, that's Taming of the Show as well, isn't it? So you can have a nice little, that was really it's such a fascinating thing. That that was yeah. a, like a trope at one point was like resetting Shakespeare in American high schools. Totally, totally. Yeah, um, what? I guess that was it on, on, on that one. I feel like this is the. Do you think this is the most in depth conversation about get over it in twenty years? Probably. I think probably since the pre production meetings of the film. 
Um, but, but I, I don't, I really, I do not care. Or maybe, yeah, maybe since Aaron and I met, maybe, maybe that was actually the most recent. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, if I, if I point other people to it, I, uh, I really, I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing the Lord's work there. That is, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm very happy to, to, to be out there standing for Get Over It. Oh, standing. You are so young and hip, my friend. I know, I know. I use all the words. <laughs> um, well, we're pointing people to a lot of good uh, uh, distractions in these crazy times. Uh, cunning Stunts, the podcast, as I said. Okay. It's on iTunes everywhere. Check it out. If you love movies, you're going to love this podcast. Uh, check out Get Over It. It was a hole in my film knowledge, and I'm glad I filled it, thanks to Daniel Radcliffe. Um, you can also, I noticed you, I, I saw you reading from your beloved Harry Potter. You read the first chapter from Yes, Harry. I did. I, I did the, yeah, I, I, I did... Um, you know there was a they asked if we would do this thing to like read along at home kind of thing and i'm very glad they put uh other like children's drawings in there as well and stuff because i was like oh it's just gonna be me on screen for half an hour reading it's gonna hard hard to sustain that but um but no it was really sweet it was actually like i i didn't know how it would i i I honestly like i asked if i could do the first chapter because i felt like i would just feel really strange like actually reading harry's lines again um particularly lines from when he was so young um so i uh you know i i, I was really but i did find myself getting like weirdly emotional doing it oh, wow. um it was yeah it was very it was really sweet did anything strike you about reading those words it's probably the first time in many many, um, many just, years uh, yeah i mean the bit about well first of all the fact that like harry isn't really in the first chapter i'd kind of forgotten that the first chapter was like dursley's and then arrival of dumbledore and, and that that was how the book started but um you know it's been a while since I, i'd gone back um but then uh yeah, I mean, I guess I've, I've forgotten how like funny they were and how very kind of English and almost like PG Woodhouse they are in their descriptions of kind of English gossipiness and stuff. Um, and uh, but then there was that there was like one passage about like you know Harry becoming famous or something that you do just go, wow, that was the most prescient thing she could have written about that character who then then did go on to become you know what that was um so yeah it was just, it was sort of full of um full of nostalgia in a in a very nice way i'm 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 generally quite hesitant to give in to nostalgia too much because i think it can it can uh you know you can get lost in it um but i i it was it was definitely nice to to sort of be able to do that and then people really liked it which is very sweet somebody sent me a photo of, that somebody had uh i think put on twitter of just like two kids and their dad like watching it as they went to sleep that night and i was like well if for no other reason than that that's like the most awesome thing yeah i know i know as i'm sure you do many parents struggling to get through this time with their kids so if you if you were able to entertain and distract their kids for half an hour even yeah exactly (laughs) that's a win right i'm I'm happy to help yeah excellent uh it's good to catch up with you my friend i hope to see yeah i'm really lovely to lovely to see you hope you hope you're holding up okay and the, the family's all you know not it's not too crazy not too crazy, as you know. New York's been intense, but thankfully, yeah. it seems like we're on the other side of the of the real world. Yes, heart. yeah, um, tough word, yeah. Uh, like I said, always a pleasure to talk to you, and looking forward to chatting in, in better times. My awesome. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>